Hi, this is Rachel on Recover. We've got a special guest today, Christina. She's going to tell us a little bit about herself. Hi, Rachel. Uh, my name is Christina. I am 33 years old. I work in real estate. I am single. I live with my uh, two-year-old dog, and he is my baby right now. Um, hobbies I have, just probably reading anything outdoorsy, and it seems that lately my biggest hobby has been working on my recovery, so um, that takes up a substantial amount of time right now. Okay. So, Christina is a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. Um, we're going to ask her some questions about her recovery program, and she's going to uh, answer them to the best of her ability. So, um, question one, what things have you done for your recovery of being sexually abused? So, the past couple years, I have done quite a bit. Um, prior to that, I really didn't do much. Um, and then I really started seeing the way it was affecting me in my life. And especially over the last year, I really got into, um, committing to therapy. I see a therapist once a month. And, um, recently I started doing EMDR therapy, which has been intense, but really great. I've read books, uh, talked to other people, meditation, yoga. Um, I think the biggest thing um, recently that I did was going to a retreat for survivors of um, childhood sexual abuse and meeting other people that had gone through that and just meeting the staff there and people that are trained to to help people like this because it's just been something that most of my life I've avoided and that has really um that that really changed the way I saw my recovery recently okay what has been the most helpful the most helpful probably connecting with other survivors and that was really important for me because I spent so much time in denial from the fact that it happened to me, um, and that I really didn't talk about it much, and I've told a couple people throughout my life, but nobody that had really experienced it or could offer, um, you know, their own experience, and so I felt very alone with it a lot of the time. So just connecting with other people and having a support group um, that I've stayed connected with, and um, you know, we can bounce things off each other and keep each other updated on our progress has really been beneficial for me. I think that's the most helpful. How did your family respond? Um, not well. <laughs> so, um, only one person in my family knows and my sexual abuse, um, happened actually with a family member. Um, and I think that's why it made it such an uncomfortable um, conversation to have um, and through my recovery work I've planned on telling the rest of my family that point has not been reached yet where I feel like it's the time to do it but 
previously, I did tell a family member, um, and I think that they were in shock and, you know, I get my denial honest in my family. Everybody in my family, um, does not acknowledge their emotions, anything uncomfortable. We're just going to sweep it under the rug. And that's basically what happened is I was told, okay, we'll do what you need to do to get through this, but we're not going to talk about it again. And we sure haven't. So it's just been something I've had to um, tiptoe around. And recently that's something I figured out that I'm not comfortable doing for the rest of my life. So um, it wasn't well-received. Um, that was about 10 years ago, so I'm hoping, you know, the next time I go about this, it goes a little bit better. That can be so disheartening. It was, and it, I think that's why I avoided doing any work for a long time, because the response I got, you know, when I finally, like as survivors, it's such a big deal to finally confide in somebody about it because we're so protective of the secret and we finally get to this point where we're like okay I'm going to tell this person and they're going to finally help me and you know it's just this big relief we're supposed to be and so when it turns out really negatively it's it's like oh well I shouldn't have done that I should just you know keep it back inside just ignore it do what I was doing because that was better um and I don't, you know, th this person I don't think did it intentionally. I think they weren't able to deal with it, um, which doesn't, you know, make it any less hurtful. But um, I understand everyone deals with things in their own way. How did your community respond? So, as far as community, the only people that I've really told have been um, really close friends. And depending on how close they were, it, you know, that determined the um, level of detail that I shared with them. Um, but all of my close friends that I've told about it have been so supportive. Um, the first person I ever told was my best friend. And I remember going to her house and I'm thinking in my head, like, I can't believe I'm going to tell somebody. Um... And I shared this with her, and she was so supportive, so understanding. She actually um, ended up sharing with me that she had gone through a similar experience um, as far as it having, you know, childhood sexual abuse happen to her as well. And I really felt good about that. And anyone else that I've told has been very supportive, but I'm very particular about who I choose to tell as well so you know I make sure I have a good relationship with them because I don't want that scenario um to happen again where it's like a negative response so I'm very I'm very aware of who I'm telling fair enough was there any re-victimization or victim blaming yes um whenever I shared with my family um or the one family member um, about the abuse, it was a lot of, of victim blaming or, you know, saying, well, why didn't you say anything before? Are you telling me the truth? You know, what did you do? Why? And so it's, you know, 
a survivor's worst nightmare for somebody to say, well, what did you do? You know? And, um, we have to understand it takes us a long time to understand that it wasn't our fault. And so when someone says that to you, um, it sets you back. So, so there was, um, and I've had to work through that as well to understand that their response has nothing to do with me. That's so true. And it's such a difficult thing to work through anyways. And then that just compounds it drastically. It's almost worse than the, the abuse itself. And sometimes it, it is. Yeah, that's a good point because I remember, um, even in therapy, I was, you know, going through these events and the events directly related to the abuse. I remember I really didn't get that emotional about. And then when I was talking about that instance, you know, I, I got really emotional about it and it, it did, it felt worse than the actual abuse. Cause you're like expecting that to go better. <laughs> you're expecting it to help and it doesn't. It's the opposite. Um, how has this impacted your career? Um, I don't know that it has impacted my career surprisingly in a negative way. Um, I've learned to be extremely independent and a very hard worker because I, I I sometimes escape through that. So work is distraction for me. And if I'm working, I'm not thinking. And I have, um, I've always done well as far as work goes. And, you know, I have that perfectionist mentality. And I think a lot of um, survivors do where it's like, you know, that control. And if everything's perfect, then I'm okay. And um, Which in a lot of situations has worked to my advantage. Um, and so... I do think that that has been a plus in my career. Um, You know, of course, the negative of that is it's allowed me to be distracted for a long time um, without working on these issues. But, you know, I finally got to a point where I was ready to do that. Um, How has this impacted your dating life? Um, My dating life has been very... um, I don't want to say rocky, but um, it, it's very close. Or it's, it's hard for me to get close to people um, because of this. It makes me um, very uncomfortable to be in a stable relationship. So I've had experiences where I've been in a lot of long-term relationships, um, but I wasn't able to to stay in them and you know back to me being very avoidant and look to you know live in denial I would get in these relationships and then whenever things were real serious and stable I wanted to run um that's kind of my my go-to move is to get away from the situation um and not discuss things not work things out it's like you know um just escape and so for a long time I didn't understand why I was doing that and I had a lot of relationships that 
A, I would either leave, or B, they were um, not healthy relationships. I wasn't getting treated well, and I would <clears throat> stay in those too long. Um, so those were my, my two relationship um, patterns. And in, just in the last year, um, when I started really working on these things, I took a year off of dating. I had just gotten out of um, a relationship that was not good for me. He was not treating me well. And I finally got out of that, started doing therapy, and took the whole year off of dating. And I've just now started getting back into it, and I feel much more confident, um, much more secure in what I want and how I feel. Um, and just working on these issues, especially like sexual issues, because I know um, people that experience this type of abuse have you know, long-lasting sexual issues. Um, and that's been something that I've been working on the last year. So I feel better going into dating now than I ever have before because I know these issues that I can work on. Um, but there's a part of me that's, you know, irritated that it took me so long to finally figure that out. Um, yeah, no, that can be frustrating, just especially the older you get the more frustrating it can become yeah and I, I just you know sometimes when I'm working on this stuff I'm like man I wish I had done the work you know five ten years ago but there's also that side of me that understands that I wasn't ready to do it um you know all those experiences brought me to where I am today where I'm able to work on it and that's, that's just the way life goes. <laughs> How do you think this has impacted your finances? Um, I don't know that it has impacted my finances. I have always been pretty good with money, again, with the control thing. Um, and, and I have, like, anxiety surrounding money in general. So I'm always, you know, afraid of not going to, that I'm not going to be able to be independent if I don't have my own money. So I've always worked really hard, always tried to save money so I can take care of myself, um, which has been a good thing. Um, so I don't think this has directly affected my finances. Um, how, how has this impacted your overall long-term health? Long-term health, so mentally I, you know, have struggled with, you know, depression and anxiety on and off because of this, and of course that affects my physical health, just feeling, um, you know, a lot of times just exhausted, um, and I know it's a common theme with survivors that we have, like, stomach issues. So, you know, I've gone through periods of time where I just felt, like, nauseous for no reason. And um, just these weird, like, physical symptoms that I've always had all my life but never could really attribute them to anything. And just as I'm reading about the effects of um, abuse on your physical health, they're all starting to make sense to me now. Um, so I've been lucky to not have anything, you know, majorly wrong with my physical health. I've always 
tried to stay, you know, in pretty healthy shape and um, eating well and things like that. So I've been glad that nothing serious has happened. But I have had, um, you know, times where it's frustrating because that you feel not 100% physically, but there's nothing really diagnosable about you. Um, so that that can be frustrating. Um, I know that you've struggled with alcoholism before. How has that connected to your health and its long-term effects? Yeah, so that's um, something that I completely left out of this whole story. Um, I have been in recovery from um, substance use for 11 years. Um, I got clean when I was 21. And um, so luckily I haven't had any long-term health effects from that. Um, I built, you know, I'm for sure that my drug and alcohol use during my teenage years was a very adaptive coping mechanism for me. Um, you know, it, it was killing me, but that was the way that I was protecting myself. Um, you know, if I was numb, I didn't have to think about it, didn't have to feel any emotions and that's the way I like it. So, you know, that worked for me for a number of years. Um, of course, there were a whole slew of negative consequences that came along with that um, until I finally got clean. And actually, right after I got clean was the first time I ended up telling someone because it was so difficult for me to keep that inside when I didn't have drugs or alcohol to numb it. Um, it was almost to the point of, like, I have to tell somebody this or... I'm going to end up using again. And so for my health and um, mental health, I didn't want to continue the way I was going. Um, and so I did end up telling, you know, my best friend at that point. And, um, and I've had a support group through that as well, which has been super important for me and so helpful. Um, you know, even if I wasn't directly working on this issue... Just having that support group of people was um, was what I really needed at that time in my life and still need today. Um, so, yeah, with that, I'm glad that I didn't have any long-term physical issues from that because I very well could have. Um, and definitely did not take care of my body for a long time. Um, how has this impacted your social life? Um... Social life, I don't know. I think that I've always been a very, um, I don't want to say very, not anymore, but when I was growing up and when I was a kid, I was very shy, very reserved. Um, and so it was, I, I was always more on the quiet side. And so it was difficult for me to meet people. It was difficult for me to trust people. And, you know, through having a support group and um, just being clean and learning how to, you know, live without drugs, I started building some of those social skills that I never had before. Um, but I still, still to this day, I find it hard to fully trust people. Um, socially, I've done much better. I'm like a lot more outgoing now. Um, don't have as much of a problem meeting people 
but I do have a problem getting close to people because, um, you know, especially if your abuser is somebody in your family that you were, you know, supposed to trust and have that um, connection and be able to depend on them, and then they do something to you like that, it makes you learn that people can't be trusted. Um, so that's very hard to break. Um, and it's, it's been something that I've continued to work on and just keeping good people in my life has really helped with that. How has this affected your long-term mental health? Long-term mental health, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, I've been um, diagnosed with depression and anxiety um, and really just started working on that. Um, last year, you know, I decided to start taking medication for that, which has really helped. Um, and for a long time, I put that off and didn't want to to accept that, that that was something that I needed to do. Um, because then I would have to accept that I was depressed. And if I was depressed, I'd have to accept that I had this abuse happen. So it's, you know, just this long line of denial for me. But um, once I really started working on that, it's gotten a lot better. Um, but there's definitely days where, you know, if I'm working on something tough or something stressful in my life, Thursdays I just want to lay in bed all day. Um, and I've had to to work hard to get away from that because it can suck you in quick. Um, so I know that that, that is um, an impact that it has had on me, just having that struggle with depression. Um, to other victims out there, what advice would you want to give them? My advice would be not to run away from it. That, that has been, you know, the thing that has gotten in my way the most, where I just didn't want to face it. And when I started facing it and reaching out for help and doing the work, it, it got better. Um, and I know that, you know, survivors have a lot of shame um, surrounding their abuse. And, and, you know, there's just this mentality of don't talk about it. And, um, and if we just start, um, accepting our truth and, and speaking about it, even if it's scary, um, you know, we don't have to go shout it from the rooftops or anything like that, but it just telling one person, um, we don't have to, um, carry it by ourselves. What was the grooming process for you? Um, I don't know. It's not something that I've thought a lot about. And I read that question, um, you know, whenever you had, had sent it to me. And I, I was telling myself, well, I'm going to think about that later. And then I just didn't. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I, it's just not something that I've really thought about. I mean, I'm sure that, um, you know, at some point it, the abuse had started with just like small things, um, you know, like just kind of testing the waters and seeing, you know, 
is this going to be okay? Is this something that they're going to, you know, let me do? And, um, and then getting worse from there. But, um, but aside from that, I, I don't know. Um, how has this impacted your faith? Um, I've always been a pretty spiritual person. I don't know if I've ever been really religious, but, um, but I have always believed, um, in something and, but there's been times where I've been very angry at that something, you know? that I think, well, why did this have to happen to me? And I have these thoughts of, you know, there's other people in the world that have never had to experience this or understand what it's like to go through it. And it's, you know, it's easy to slip into that pity of like, you know, why me? Why this? Why, you know, what, what's the point? Um, but I've tried to stay out of that and stay um, more in the gratitude I have for being able to recover and get better. Um, and that's the way I feel today, you know, tomorrow or next week, I could feel completely different and be back in, um, that why me mentality. But, um, but today it's been okay. And I think, you know, especially whenever I was in a much darker place in my life, whenever I was using drugs and alcohol during this, you know, I hadn't told anybody, you know, or even back when it was still happening and I was using drugs and it just felt, um, very hopeless, very dark. Um, so during those times, I definitely struggled with my faith. Um, today, I feel like I have a more solid foundation, and, and I've been at peace with it much more. Okay, Christina, just anything else you would like to tell tell us before we wrap this up? I just want to thank you for doing this podcast, and I think it's great that people are talking about it, sharing their stories, um, sharing their experience, and just letting people know that other people have gone through this, and people aren't alone. Um, There's help out there, there's support out there, and um, recovery is possible. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Tune in next Thursday for our next show and always you can always follow us on facebook twitter or linkedin um, or instagram and you can always visit our website at www.rachelandrecovery.com and always listen to us on any of our podcast platforms whether it's spotify apple google tune in or audible thanks for listening thanks